Welcome, listeners, to our patron preview of X-Men The Last Stand. A major pharmaceutical company has developed a way to suppress the mutant X gene permanently. They're calling it a cure. There's nothing to cure. Nothing's wrong with any of us for that matter. You of all people know how fast the weather can change. Did you find what you were looking for? The source of the cure is a mutant. More powerful than you. Something woke her, but she has to be controlled. You know, sometimes when you cage the beast, I can't do this. The beast gets angry. So, X-Men The Last Stand, released in 2006, starring, here we go, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Funk Jansen, Anna Paquin, Kelsey Grammer, James Marsden, Rebecca Romaine, Vinnie Jones, Ellen Page... Ben Foster, who I completely forgot was in this film. Yeah, me too. It young, was, uh, young bloke. Young, I mean, it was a while ago now, this movie. It was. Directed by, hmm, well, why don't we just get into that for quickly, shall we? Another piece of shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Brian Singer was actually in the middle of this three-movie deal with 20th Century Fox, beginning with X2, and he was keen to make X-Men Beginning 3. with X2? Yeah, beginning with X2. So, he had but a three-movie deal. didn't begin with X-Men 1? No, no. He was beginning to do a deal after X-Men, after he did that, like, all right, we'll get you on for a three-movie deal. Now that so X-Men to do was- X-Men 2, 3, and 4? So, some sort of movie okay. after X- X-Men 3. Yep. Uh, but they weren't able to come to terms because during this time, Warner Brothers had offered him a chance to direct Superman Returns, mm. but he had to do it straight away. Yep. So he went and did that. He said he's going to go take this opportunity, uh, but he still liked to come back for X-Men 3. You know, that's okay. Uh, Fox said, no, you can go get stuffed. We'll cancel the deal. You're done. So they moved on. Hugh Jackman actually recommended Darren Aronofsky to replace him since he just did The Fountain with him. That would have been better. Better than who we got? Brett Ratner. <laughs> Brett Ratner. Well, actually, before Brett Ratner, they had Michael Vaughn, and he was ready to go. Like He was, he had, I think he was the one that signed on Kelsey Grammer and yep. Vinnie Jones, I believe, and then he had to step out for personal reasons. Okay. And yeah, they got Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. This, Brett Ratner. Who like, is this guy? Rush Hour. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, he got signed on. Mostly for the fact that he's able to churn out good movies, like high high sales movies, yeah. quickly, a la Rush Hour. So they got him on, and uh, I don't know, like it, it had a budget of two hundred and ten million dollars. That was the biggest budget at the time of any movie ever. What? Yes, really. Obviously, been beaten since then, but oh, obviously, yeah, biggest expensive film to date at that point. Wow. Yeah. You, you wouldn't think that looking at this film. Well, you think about 2006 and it's very, very CGI heavy, lots of big special effects. I'm pretty sure that's where most of the money would have gone to. And yeah. the all-star cast, And of the cast. Yeah. The cast would be expensive. But this did gross $234 million in America. It was the fourth highest for the year. And it grossed $459 million worldwide and was the seventh highest for the year. I mean, so obviously it's a success. Well, I did- But they say- like. The amount they would have spent on marketing this exactly. film would be enormous. Like you say, the budget was two hundred and ten. If it only made four hundred, yeah, it that's w- not great. Might have made a little bit of money back. Probably why they rebooted it. Yeah. Oh, did they? Not straight away. X Men Origins Wolverine was next. Is that that's in canon? That's like a prequel for Wolverine. Well, I did read that after the trilogy, they were they were planned to wrap up this trilogy and then go away from all the X Men characters they've done and just do the origin stories from there. So this was in this was the idea to, to do straight after this. I don't think I don't know. I can't actually. I can't remember if Wolverine was a success in terms of money. Certainly not. Uh, uh, 
quality-wise. Critically successful. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So we obviously have Kelsey Grammer here who plays Beast. He was so keen to play this role that he actually did an audition. First time he's had to audition for anything in... Since Cheers. <laughs> basically, over 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah, good on him. He did say that this is like the best role of his career. What? His favourite. I'll say his favourite. His favourite role of his career. Wow. He even, even came back to do a small little cameo in Days of Future Past. Did he? Yeah, was very he brief. or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Huh, that's interesting. I mean, how, how could he say that? Maybe he was a big X-Men fan when he was growing up. Do you reckon he did his own stunts? A lot of them did in this movie. Do you reckon Kelsey Grammer did his own stunt? Sure. Why not? I don't know. Beast oh, is extremely agile. <laughs> when he's flipping around, I'm like, yeah. Is that you, Kelsey? I don't could know. Be, be. Who knows? Hmm. And pretty much what we said in the last X-Men movie here, Halle Berry was not going to come back as Storm in this one yet again. How come? Uh, she said there was no character development in the last two installments. She had a tense relationship with Brian Singer, as most people do. But after Singer left and the fact that she got a big box box office bomb with Catwoman, <laughs> she agreed to come back on the condition that her role was expanded. So since since Cyclops and Professor X were removed from this movie, you know, what, 20 minutes into it and yep. you know, halfway through it, she did get a bigger role in this film, basically becoming the leader of the X-Men. And it shows she is in this a lot more than the last two movies. Oh, easily. Yeah. And, uh, she wasn't as annoying for me in this film. Yeah, she was better. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you think so because I was sort of watching, I'm like... She's not grating like she was in the others. What about uh, Fumka Jansen? How is she in this one? Terrible. <laughs> she is. I never realised. She is like the worst thing about this trilogy. Did you Did you know that she actually went and researched disassociative identity disorders and split personalities so that she could convey the difference between Jean Grey and the Phoenix? She just looks blankly off in the distance 90% of the time. I was like, come on. You're the what? fucking phoenix. Do something. What do you want her to do? Anything. <laughs> like, she just plays bloody second fiddle to... Like Nido the whole time. Why? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the lore of X-Men. I don't know uh, about the, the Dark Phoenix saga. I mean, it's portrayed so differently in this movie than it was portrayed in comics and the cartoons. Yeah. Well, like the Dark Phoenix is like a extraterrestrial life force. Okay. It's not like just this subconscious thing that Professor X has been- Hiding you know, away. Pushing like, yeah, down. Yeah, locked, like, locked away in the mind. Such bullshit. And this film has an average rating of 6.7 over 445,000 ratings. Higher than I expected. What do you think it was going to go for? A six? Uh, yeah, maybe a six, high five. I wouldn't say high fives. It is regarded very, very poorly. I thought. A five, any movie that hits the fives is really, really bad. Yeah. I could have seen this go for maybe a 6.5 or something. That that start That's where it starts wow. to get... Big stretch there, Hendo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, Dean, let's get into it. An hour and 44. I can take that for an X-Men film. Much better. Oh, yeah. That's e the first thing I saw. Easier to digest an yeah. hour 44. Because I was looking at this, I'm like, if this is over two hours, this movie, I'm going to spit chips. <laughs> but we go to 20 years earlier. And uh, I tell you what, they've what come a, a long way in de-aging technology. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's just the technology is just nowhere near as impressive as the MCU stuff we're getting these days. Like this, and the problem is Patrick Stewart looks the same twenty years ago as he does now, but he still looks weird. You know, oh, he looks smooth. It's just, yeah, they've just smoothed <laughs> everything like on the, his face. It's like they put the Instagram filter on him. It's like, what are you doing? And Ian McKellen, look, like I looked at him, ah, like, like oh. Oh, yeah, he doesn't look too different. They just look like they dyed his hair black and his eyebrows black. It's like I've got this like the skin coloured pastel and like coloured in the wrinkles. Yeah, actually, do you know how they did that back then? No, it was called digital skin grafting, where they would actually get old photos of them and use this complex keyframing to basically graft that photo onto them. 
bizarre. Terrible. Really weird. Terrible. I don't know. This whole this whole Jean Grey as a kid, I didn't like it. Well, I mean, they have to use it to set up that this is why she's become who she is because, you know, Professor X has locked this dark phoenix away inside her mind. And it has to be there because they got to go back to the house later on for the big scene. Why, though? Explain to me why Jean Grey would go back to her childhood house then. Makes no sense. The whole thing is is like this phoenix character is taken over. Why would it go back home? Well, isn't that the last thing that that she would remember? She's at the house. He locks the mind. Comes back. That's where she remembers. What's there for her? She doesn't know. She's going to go back and check it out. What's the point? That's the problem I have with this phoenix. There's no motivation. What is the point of the phoenix in this movie? I don't know. Like, no. I mean, like... The character of Phoenix, what is she thinking? I don't know. i got to tell you, there's a lot of weird filler things throughout this film. There is so much going on in this film. I, I agree. Like, I think they should have taken out a bunch of these other small little things and had a bit more of character development for this Dark Phoenix. You're like, exactly what you said. Why? Why is she doing this? A bit more about her. Yeah, she just... And she has no personality. Like, I know Famke struggles in general with personality, but there's no... like. She's playing the Dark Phoenix and she has nothing to her. There's no menace or power. She just stands there and stares at everyone. She can evaporate and disintegrate people with a look. She can do literally anything is what they say in this movie. Her powers are anything. And it's like, okay, so what is she going to use them to do? Stand next to Magneto and fucking Pyro. Pyro. Thank you very much, listeners, for checking out this patron preview. Yeah, if you want to check out the whole episode, we've got everything on over at patreon.com slash IMDb journey. And we've got plenty of other episodes over there, including our Die Hard series, Wes Anderson series, tons of other benefits, early access to our main show. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what movies you want us to review. Yeah, so Dean said a spot on patreon.com slash IMDb journey. Go ahead and head over there and check out all the rewards and benefits that we've got to offer. And we thank you once again for checking us out. Thanks, y'all.